Good evening, and welcome to A Closer Look. I'm your host, Laurie Hackett, and each month we spend time together listening and learning about our amazing nonprofit community. There is so much goodness throughout the Lehigh Valley, and we have the chance here on A Closer Look to learn more. Throughout the Lehigh Valley, there are community leaders and volunteers who recognize opportunities and challenges in our community, and they take action by coming together to work together and strategically move the Lehigh Valley forward. On our show, we hear about the mission and purpose of the nonprofit organizations, as well as the passion and the dedication of the nonprofit leaders. We're so excited about tonight's guests, so let's get started. Our first guest tonight is Margaret McConnell, Vice President of the Board at the Literacy Center of the Lehigh Valley. Good evening, Margaret, and welcome to A Closer Look. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for being with us. As you know, each month we take time to learn more about a Lehigh Valley nonprofit, Tell us about the Literacy Center. So the Literacy Center was founded in uh, 1977. So we've been around about 50 years. And our mission is to provide high quality instruction, training, and support for adults who are experiencing language, education, and employment barriers. So we do this through, um, we have a staff of about 25 to 30 people, Mm -hmm. full-time and part-time instructors, and of course, administrative staff led by uh, wonderful executive director, Jen Doyle. And together, they provide training and classes for English as a second language, GED, citizenship, workforce um, training programs, such as an administrative professional program, a work from home training series, which we started during COVID, and um, a number of other career counseling and support services. Last year, we served 1,200 students with our classes. Margaret, amazing. And I think a lot of people may have heard the name, but maybe they're not exactly sure what your mission is. And what is your role with the Literacy Center? So I've been on the board. This is my third year. um, And next fiscal year, starting in October, I will become the president of the board. How wonderful. So it's a volunteer job. Yep. That you find time during, you know, during your week, you find time to, to dedicate to the Literacy Center. Yes. Yep. Margaret, you mentioned many things that the Literacy Center does, and one specifically that you have been around since 1977. Tell us about maybe what was the need then, the reason to get it started, and what's the need today? So it started in 1977 by a small group of Allentown residents who were concerned with area adults who were held back in life due to illiteracy. There was really four community individuals who began training volunteer tutors and they taught English to adults on a one-on-one basis. And then in 1984, the Literacy Council, as we were initially called, established itself as an independent not-for-profit organization. And uh, since 2008, we've been known as the Literacy Center. And we've expanded programming, obviously, beyond just English as a second language. What an amazing example of the impact that four volunteers, passionate about a cause, can come together and have. That's incredible. Yes, it's amazing. And I'm guessing today still the Literacy Center is so successful because of volunteers? Yes, and we have hundreds of volunteers that help us um, with everything from still one-on-one tutoring to um, support in the classroom 
and um, helping with some of our events. So we are definitely still a volunteer-driven organization. And Margaret, when you were telling us a little bit about the background of the Literacy Center, you mentioned the Work From Home program. Mm -hmm. And it feels like in every guest that we talk with, they talk about there was before COVID, there was COVID, and here's what we're dealing with. How has your work, maybe specifically the Work From Home program, changed because of COVID? I will say one of the things that I am most impressed with this organization, because my board term started right maybe a year before COVID. So we were in the middle of strategic planning and COVID hit. And this was in March and it was still kind of like, this is not believable. This isn't really coming to us. (laughs) And the Literacy Center was so far ahead of it that when everything shut down, I think it was the Friday the 13th, they were back up and running online with classes the next Monday. And this isn't an organization that ran online before. We had in-person classes. So they pivoted everybody home with laptops, got on Zoom, you know, got every all of their students up and running, had training for staff, so that everything just continued. And what we've seen is our students, we're actually discussing right now what are back to the in-person is going to be because so many of our students are like, this is so much easier for me. I mean, you're talking about people who have full-time jobs. They might work second second or third shift. Uh, They have kids to take care of. They have responsibilities. They've got to feed the kids when they get home and then find transportation, get themselves to the center. So we've really seen our numbers are better. Mm -hmm. Our retention numbers are better. Um, our graduation numbers are better, we have more students, we can help more students because we don't need a physical space to help them. So that alone, I think, is a really great story coming out of COVID. And then, of course, yeah, we developed a curriculum for this work from home Mm -hmm. because everybody, I mean, I know I needed it, Uh, you know, to pivot from being in an office and seeing people and talking to people all day long to like sitting at your little sad desk. So yes, we really, um, I'm very proud of the work that they did to uh, come up with this, this program that we continue to um, offer today. Another silver, another silver lining coming out of COVID. In your description that you just shared, you talked about students. Could Mm -hmm. you tell us a little bit more about what kind of students are served by the Literacy Center? Sure. So, of course, we serve, um, we have a lot of immigrants, people that have come to the United States who have degrees in their home Mm -hmm. country. Uh, We have, you know, somebody who just went through our program who is an architect in Mexico. One of our students is quite famous, and I call him the legend in the Lehigh Valley, Marco Calderon, was actually a student of ours. What a friend Marco is to the entire nonprofit community. He's wonderful, Mm -hmm. and he learned English through the Literacy Center. And then he served on our board for a little while. And of course, if you don't know Marco, please look him up. He's a (laughs) photographer and videographer, and you will know him now. Uh, if you didn't know before. Um, so so we have a lot of people that come and they've, you know, they've left their country for one reason or another and they need to learn the language so that they can live in the world. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and then we also have uh, people who are shifting their career. So we had one woman who lost her job during COVID because she worked in retail her entire career. 
And as we know, retail service industry, you know, there wasn't anything there during COVID mm -hmm. shutdown. And she said, you know, what am I going to do? So she went through our administrative professional program. And now she has a job uh, as an administrative uh, professional and just changed the whole trajectory of her of her life. I will also say we have a lot of um, with the GED program, mm -hmm. kids, students who just couldn't finish high school for one reason or another. Again, they had some sort of barrier and um, they're all from all walks of life. Mm -hmm. There's there's no real kind of like this is what the general right. student looks like. You um, truly serve all. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. Margaret, how, so you as a vice president of the board, incoming board chair, but I know you're also an executive with People First Credit Union. I also know you're a very active Lehigh Valley community leader. Why the Literacy Center for you? What was the decision that you made three years ago to join this board? So I, I've always been drawn to uh, causes that lift up those who need it the most and create sort of a more equitable, well, not sort of, I, I want a more equitable community uh, and world. So what I'll go to the vision of the Literacy Center because I this when I read it, I'm like, yes, this is me. This is what I care about. So the Literacy Center wants all adults to have access to training and education that allows them to achieve their potential to enrich their individual and family life, enhance the community, participate in civic life, mm -hmm. and strengthen the economy. And isn't that what we all want as far, you know, isn't that the quality of life that we're all looking for? So it just was, they came, you know, it kind of came to me through a roundabout way that they were looking for board members. They weren't actually targeting me. And I said, ah, yeah, me, I'm yours. <laughs> you know, and what, a, first of all, Thank you. And such a great example of if you're passionate about the cause, you find it, it finds you, and, and look at the great things that you're doing. Yeah. Margaret, has there been someone in your career who has really influenced you? Yeah. I mean, I, I will say I've been on a number of uh, nonprofit boards, and I am always inspired by the staff. Mm -hmm. Um they work long hours, the pay you wouldn't believe, um, but they're there for, you know, they're doing the heart work, not just the hard work. Um, you know, I've had mentors, obviously, in my life. Um, one particular mentor who I go back to what I've learned from her, Cassie Hilgert, who's the CEO of ArtsQuest. Uh, really, when when I was much younger, we started, you know, we had a working relationship on a nonprofit that I was working for at the time. And she really taught me to um, ask the questions and listen to the answers, mm -hmm. um, listen to different perspectives, and then try to find consensus, because that's the only way you're going to move things forward. Mm -hmm. um, and that, you know, has helped me in business as well as serving the nonprofit community. Absolutely. You had the chance to learn from her, and now, and now you're turning around and giving that back and helping others. Absolutely. You, I know you have a true calling when it comes to business. If you weren't doing what you're doing in the area of strategic marketing, what do you think you'd be doing instead? Oh, I'd be the serial board member. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm really just, um, I'm, I would, you know, when I retire, when, you know, mm -hmm. I have all that extra time in my life, I will continue board service. 
that's just, I, I think there's such an opportunity and people are intimidated by the thought of mm-hmm. being on a board. They don't understand what it means, but anyone can be on a board. Everyone has something to give. Um, any experience that you may have had in life is going to lend value to an organization. So if you're passionate about something, there is an organization out there that can use you. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think there's there's a place for people who like to do the hands-on kind of volunteer work. Right. That's never been me. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> um, maybe because I had to do it as a kid um, and it was forced, you know. But, <laughs> but I always just wanted, you know, to be at that strategy, the strategic level and helping on the bigger picture mm-hmm. side. And I think that's such a, a missed opportunity for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Agreed. And, you know, a plug here for the Karen Smith, yep. the executive director of the Volunteer Center of the Lehigh Valley. They have an online tool yep. for matching people. And what you're talking about is skills-based volunteering, taking yes. your professional skills. You're an attorney. You're an accountant. You're in marketing. You're in mm-hmm. fundraising. And taking those and supporting a nonprofit that might not have that internal skill. Yes. So how wonderful. And, and even people who, who are just – they wouldn't – think of themselves as, you know, maybe in a professional setting, but they have something to offer because they live in the community. Mm -hmm. They know, you know, their neighbors and their own workplace and their own background. They have something to offer. Gosh, wonderful. Your passion, your enthusiasm, your sincerity is is really, (laughs) is really moving. So thank you. Margaret, how can the community get involved to support? So as I mentioned before, we're uh, volunteer-led, not not led, but we have a number of volunteers, hundreds of them. Uh, So we look for volunteers to help in the classroom, Mm -hmm. to support the teachers. And then we also are looking always for one-on-one tutors for our GED students. And we um, we have one big fundraiser a year that is called the Faces of Literacy this year. It's on September 29th, where uh, we highlight three of our student graduates, and it's a way for you to get to know what we mm-hmm. do, and we're always looking for volunteers because events are, you know, there's a lot of bits and pieces that need to be pulled together. And how would people learn more? So you can go to our website at the literacycenter-lv.org, or follow us on Facebook at The Literacy Center LV. Margaret, our time together has come to an end. Thanks so much for being with us. But before we close, is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners? Yeah, I think the one thing I didn't really talk about is the larger nonprofit community they, that we work with on a regular basis at the Literacy Center. So um, LTRIC, Lehigh Carbon Community College, is our, one of our biggest partners when it comes to the GED and ESL classes. But one of the services that the Literacy Center provides to our, our um, students is support services, which is basically anything that is a barrier to them continuing their education, we want to help remove it. So you have, um, you know, legal issues if you're an immigrant. Um, you have maybe health issues. You have housing issues, domestic violence. Um, so we connect our students to the other nonprofits in the area that can help. And what that says about the Lehigh Valley is that we're all in this together and we all work together. And I just I think that's really important for people to know that the nonprofit community here uh, stands together. 
Absolutely. Thank you so much. Collaboration is is the word here. Yep. We've seen it time and time again. Absolutely. So, uh, listeners, again, we were joined by Margaret McConnell, who is Vice President of the Board of the Literacy Center of the Lehigh Valley. Margaret, thanks again for being with us. Thank you so much for having me. And coming up next on A Closer Look, we'll be joined by Anita Pakovitz, Executive Director and President of the Children's Home of Easton. We'll be right back. Psst! Did you know WDIY public affairs programs and features are available on all major podcast platforms? Listen anytime, on the go at Apple, Google, Spotify, or NPR One Podcast and Apps. Just search for WDIY 88.1 FM and you'll find a variety of award-winning public affairs programming from the Lehigh Valley. Listen and share with your friends and family where you get your podcasts and introduce them to Many Choices, Real Voices. Welcome back to A Closer Look. Our second guest tonight is Anita Pakovitz. Anita is the Executive Director and President of the Children's Home of Easton. Welcome, Anita. Lori, thank you. It's so good to be here. We are thrilled to have you. You know, each month on this program, we have the opportunity to meet volunteer leaders and also executive directors and the leadership of different nonprofits. So having you with us tonight is so exciting. Tell us about the Children's Home of Easton. Well, how long do you have, Lori? To be honest, <laughs> uh, now in all seriousness, the home has been around since 1885. So we're pretty unique that we as a nonprofit have, su- have survived this long. I personally have been there over 40 years. Actually, this is my 40th year. And it's always a fun story. Um, one of my first real jobs out of college, and I thought, ah, let's try this for a year or so. Fast forward, here I am just celebrating my 40th year. Oh, my gosh. Uh, and the other part as well is I worked my way through the agency. Mm-hmm. So it was really, you know, I really, there's so many moving parts. We might be a small nonprofit, but a lot of moving parts. And I recently became the executive director, actually, in 2015. So it's more than a job to me. Mm-hmm. I feel sometimes like I'm an alumni, like a family. Mm-hmm. Um, but as far as the children's home itself, I really, we have a lot, our mission, our values, our four pillars. We just, I'm read my promise later that we just created. But the reality is we're trying to make a difference in someone's life. Uh, children come to us all ages, broken, traumatized. We're making a big shift. When I first started way back when, it was pretty normal for a child to live with us for eight years, maybe complete middle school, complete high school, stay mm-hmm. on through college. There's been a big shift in our whole culture. And it's true. We want to keep kids at home. So we can fix not just the child. We want to work and not fix. It's a bad word there. Work with them and work with the family to keep them intact and kind of help them find, you know, where do they belong and how do we start healing the trauma? So we do a variety of anywhere from emergency shelter. We have foster care. We've have um, actually this year we're having four adoptions. And these young children have come in. One was two days old. The other siblings were like maybe a year or two, and now they're four and six. I think there's another one that is going to be, I don't want to say their names, they're going to be 10 and 12. So it's a long process, but they're actually, they've been with the same foster home, went through all the steps, and they're going to be their forever family. So we have that portion. We've always been a niche for older youth, and that's Mm -hmm. teenagers. Um, Anyone who's listening who's a parent, and even myself as a teenager, it's a tough time. And we look at today's world and how, and you ma- uh, multiply that with some trauma, with some other issues. It's a tough, uh, it's a tough way to live, especially for some single parents. So when I say we come in, we work with the family, and I often will tell mom and dad, like, look, at we're not replacing you. 
we're another set of eyes and ears because it's tough because there's so much going on to help get our children whole again. So we do on campus, we have our shelter, some group homes. We do older youth, independent living. Really proud of that one. It's our newest one, but we call it specialized settings where they actually can be there from six, starting at age 16 through 21, and it's an efficiency apartment. But we really look at how do we make you so you are successful when you leave us. So they might be still in high school. They might be going to college or trade school or in the workforce. And we work with a really intense life skill curriculum. So when they leave our program, they're productive citizens. And it sounds like through everything that you said, Anita, your your staff just really surrounds children in need from, as you said, you know, from mm-hmm. newborns up through, I guess, into their early 20s yeah, or 21 and up to 21, helping each one of them reach their full potential, whatever that looks like. How do you do that? Tell us about the staff, the professional staff, the caring staff. Could you talk a little bit more about how that all happens? Absolutely. You know, I think the children's home, and it's probably why I spent my entire career there, mm-hmm. We're not locked into one way of thinking, not one model of therapy or programs that we have to do. Absolutely, we're licensed by the state. We have county contracts licensed, we're accredited. But the beauty of our program is we make it very unique for whatever that one child might need. Mm -hmm. So I could have a cottage with 10 children in it, 10 different treatment plans. And what we really do is we embrace everybody, everything, no judging, kind of take them where they are and then help them what do they need to become successful. So I think the other part is obviously nonprofits are not the most highest paying jobs in the world, mm-hmm. as, but they should be. Because again, we're not making widgets. We're dealing with lives. And we really look at how do we, I, you know, in fact, I see them come in. To this day, there is a look that I just know, I think from my four years experience where it's empty, they're sullen, they can't make good eye contact. And we look at, okay, let's start pretty simple. You know, let's make sure that you're healthy, you're sleeping, you're eating properly, you're not being victimized. If you're going to school, what support do you need? And it's funny, Lori, and it's beautiful at the same time. I watch them, it's almost like that butterfly just coming out. And by the time they leave, they're whole again. They have the Mm -hmm. twinkle in their eye, the extra Mm -hmm. kick in their step, because we find out what are you good at, Mm strength-based, and look at what are you good at, no judging. It's unique. And we just build on that and watching their self-esteem. And for the first time, they're successful. And some of them are like, whoa, I don't know what this is. Mm-hmm. But at the same token, I also do the same kind of work. I don't say I, we, as our team. We're trauma-informed. A lot of vicarious traumatization. No one's going to be good if they do it alone. It's a right. team effort. Mm-hmm. We're really big on self-care mm-hmm. and making sure that we're there for each other. And just building each other up, and we try and do a lot of staff acknowledgement and make the really hard job fun. Mm-hmm. But it's serious at the same time. You have such a servant's heart, and I know that's what it takes to be to be successful in this. Thank you. Anita, you talked about the four pillars, mm-hmm. and I know they are compassion, respect, integrity, and perseverance. Could you choose a couple of those and tell us more about the pillars and why they are really the backbone of your mission as you serve? Absolutely. You know, Lori, we started in probably 2018. The world of nonprofits was changing. The world of child welfare was changing. And I took over as a leader, female leader, which I I thought this place is not going down on my watch. (laughs) No way, no how. And we really looked at what do we need to do to make us stay a viable agency, 
a high-functioning agency, and we were at a crossroads. So we had to do a lot of – We actually, I'm calling it strategic transformational planning. Even though the home was great the way it is, we had to change because it's no longer can we just rely on kids being placed in group care. So we started saying, what else can we do to be a bigger footprint in the community? What else can we do partnering? Mm-hmm. What do we need staff-wise? Mm-hmm. And how do we attract new staff? How do we retain them? So we actually formed, uh, we had major goals, but we formed several focus groups. And I purposely put certain senior leaders in charge of these focus groups. It was a combination of board, staff at all levels, actually some of the youth themselves, some key stakeholders. And we did short-term, like I'm going to say like six intensive weeks of short-term groups of focusing on a specific goal. And we all got back together and we said, you know what, our original mission was blah, 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 really long. Like if someone said, Nita, what's your mission? I'm like, I don't know. It's very long and antiquated. We came back with, all right, here's what we need to be successful. Here are the main four characteristics Mm -hmm. it's going to take for my staff, for my board and stakeholders to really buy into. So when we say the whole, um, all the four pillars, it's, that's the piece that we're looking for in each staff member. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't do this job without being respectful, without being, you know, having integrity, without having, being compassionate, mm-hmm. without persevering. Mm-hmm. My goodness, it's, it's it all, and it's just we have it posted all over our campus. Mm-hmm. We teach it to our children when they come in. And then as a result, we've actually developed a whole new promise because we need to check ourselves because we get so busy and so caught up. That this is kind of, all right, all right, come on, people, take a step back. What are we here for? And what is that promise? I'm going to read this only because it's new and I have not memorized it. We came together. I'm saying, you know, we need to have our purpose. And this is said at every meeting, board meetings, senior leadership, supervisor meetings, meetings with the children in the cottage. And it's just something we're reminding ourselves every day that our promise is, I promise, as part of the Children's Home of Easton, to respect and uphold the integrity of each person to strive to build strong families in all their forms and provide a safe space where everyone is seen, heard, and protected. Thank you for sharing that. I I think we all hear a lot about the children's home. We've those of us who are involved, we we know that it's been around for a long time, but first of all, since 1885 and then to hear where you mm-hmm. are today, again, children at the center of every single thing that you do. It's it's wonderful. And Anita, you as a leader, 40 years. You've been there 40 years. How have you changed? How have you personally changed in that time? Ironically, I was just having this conversation, actually, on our drive over here. Um, I change a great deal. I, there's sometimes I'd like to go backwards mm-hmm. and redo, have a, a do-over, <laughs> do a little time out and handle situations differently. But one thing that I think I really changed, Lori, was being honest with myself, getting to know myself, making sure I had the right people around me that could give me positive feedback. I've searched out and I've um, had some amazing mentors over the years. I've had some role models. I've also, my faith is very strong. Um, I can't do this alone. And Mm -hmm. I really believe in my faith and that's guided me a lot. Mm -hmm. And I've also, I think, matured professionally. And I also, one of the things that was, one of my weak areas was hard to delegate. Everyone can do something, but not my way. And I realized that doesn't work as a leader. So I had a really, I purposely went through some leadership classes, lots of leadership training. And actually, I end up having an executive coach who really helped me sort things out. It's very hard, and you probably hear it in my interview already. Whew, for me to pause, that's hard. <laughs> but I need to learn to listen better, talk less, listen more, 
and just let people do their job and be very clear with communicating what's expected, what they expect from me and what I expect from them. And I've really done this the last several years is that question, what do you need to be successful? Mm -hmm. So that's really, I think, have really over the years, just looking at life different, you know, vicarious traumatization, for sure. I also think my personal life has a big influence on me, just my career, my family, and, you know, my husband, everything else. It's just grief brings some crazy things out of you. But I've just learned a lot about myself. Anita, you are such a role model for so many people, certainly your staff and those of us in the community. Is there one person that you could share with us? Is there somebody that really inspired you? Or I know you have many mentors, mm-hmm. I'm sure you do, but is there one example you could share of someone that really influenced you in your direction? You know, I'll be very honest. It's uh, It was Michael Danachek, the director I had when I first started. And mm-hmm. actually, Mike Danachek and was so well known over the Mr. Lehigh. As I come here and I go by Lehigh, I can't help but think of Mike Danachek. Anyway, he took me in. When I say took me in, you know, gave me a chance when I was fresh out of college. I knew it all, had all the answers. I knew better than he did. And I thought, I remember going to him one day saying, Mike, I love this place. I love this job. But I feel like I mastered it. And I remember he looked up at me, and it was I had like him stuttering, which was kind of, I look back now, I'm thinking, who was I to go in and say that? <laughs> but what he saw in me was potential I had mm-hmm. and confidence. And mm-hmm. one thing that I really, um, I credit Mike for is then saying, okay, Anita, if you master this, not being sarcastic, he said, here's what you need to do if you want to continue on this career. And one of them was going back to graduate school. I'm like, oh my gosh, how could I do that? It's been forever since I graduated from undergrad. But he believed in me. Not that my family and others didn't believe me. He believed in me and saw something that I didn't really see in the beginning. Mm-hmm. So he brought that out of me, exposed me to many different things. I went to my first grad class. I came back. He's like, how was it? I started bawling, showing my age. I'm like, Mike, there's no card catalogs in the library anymore. <laughs> yeah, you know, we make a joke out of it. But he really taught me to put myself out there. And I got involved at their local level and our state associations, national association, the alliance, really helped me leapfrog and gain confidence, mm-hmm. but not cockiness. Wow. Skill set, but not being overrated, not knowing it all, but being able to say, you know, what? I don't know that, but I can call Lori. Mm-hmm. I can call Kristen. They can help me or connect me with someone who can get, who can get me there. Mm-hmm. So everything that he poured into you, you're doing the same with, with every child and s- staff member and everyone that you work with at the children's home. So thanks for sharing that you're example. welcome. Anita, our time is almost at a close. How can our listeners get more involved with the Children's Home? First of all, come visit us if you want on our campus. It's an open campus, but also check out our website, and it's thechildrenshome.org. I shared briefly that we're in a transformational period. So the core of the Children's Home will always be that the group living, the foster care, the mm-hmm. shelter, older youth. However, we've also recently branched out, and I'm partnering with uh, Third Street Alliance. We have a program called Pathways. We're working with women who've, home- who've been homeless with their children. They transition to our campus, and in the hope is to them to get their job, rapid housing, working with them. So that's something pretty neat and exciting that we're doing partnering there. There's been a big need. We all know about mental health. So I'm actually partnered with... Um, concern. And we became a satellite behavioral health outpatient clinic. So we now have a full-time clinical director, a couple of our therapists. We're just trying to be, again, a bigger footprint in the community. Our older youth, like I said, is just kids who are 16 to 21 that really maybe don't have family or just family doesn't work anymore. We're really, we need peers and mentors for them. You know, Mm -hmm. someone to talk to, say, hey, if you're a landlord, would you consider 
you know, off, you know, talking to one of our, our youth, you know, if you own a business, if you're prominent in your Fortune 500 company, could you maybe give one of our kids a shot at, you know, joining an entry level? So there's many ways that way, but there's also lots of events we have. Our, our, we partner with Siegel Museum. We've been doing this for many years. Uh, we have our wine auction coming up on Saturday, September 17th. It's going to be awesome right in downtown Easton. We have Christmas big thing that we do. You can get involved with that. Holidays. We have volunteer options. We have um, – here's one thing that's, you know, fun. It's interesting. We love when volunteer groups come in. Mm-hmm. They might just do mulching or painting, rehabbing something. But you have to know it's a nonprofit. I have a – 35-plus acre campus, about 30 buildings, and two maintenance staff. So when they come in and do that day of caring or day of volunteering, that helps us do everything mm-hmm. else to make sure the place is safe and you know good for all of our children. Right. So, so there's lot, a lot of opportunities. Right. Lots of ways to get Absolutely. involved. So again, as we close out, for our listeners to learn more, what are your social media? What would be the way to connect with the Children's Home via social media? If you go on our website, you will see it's www.childrenshome.org. And we are then, you'll click on an easy link. It'll take you to our Facebook page, Instagram page, and even YouTube. I, I would really recommend checking that out. We recently did a video with just five of our alumni. Mm-hmm. And it was Joe, who is in his 80s. Another Joe, who's in his 70s. Terrence, who is in his late 40s, I believe it is, early 50s. Um, JJ in his 30s. And Rafia, who's going to be 21. And they tell a brief story of the difference that Children's Home made on them. If you watch that... That's going to make you want to just somehow get more involved. Great. Be a difference in someone's life. Oh, thank you so much. Listeners, you heard it. Again, we were joined tonight by Anita Pokovitz, who is the Executive Director and President of the Children's Home of Easton. Anita, thanks again for being with us. We appreciate it. You know, Lori, thank you, first of all, for having this show. And I think making such an awareness to the rest of the community, the importance of a nonprofit. Thank you, DIY. It's people listen and support. There's some great things happening. So I really appreciate you inviting me and share my story of the children's home. Uh, Thank you. Absolutely. And I know it means a lot to our listeners. Thank you, listeners, for making time for this engaging conversation. You can also find past episodes and other public affairs programming at WDIY.org and on all major podcast platforms. I'm Lori Hackett, and this is WDIY. 88.1 FM. Tune in next Monday for more WDIY public affairs programming. And we'll see you next time on A Closer Look.